Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Monster show today on Don't At Me. Hey, look, we got wide receivers gone wild, whether it's Olave, former wide receiver, Antonio Brown has completely lost his mind. You will not believe what he did. The Phillies got beat. I cannot believe the Diamondbacks got him. Ruben Amaro Jr., the radio analyst for TV analyst, excuse me, for the Phillies will join us. Dibs is going to join us. That's right. Rob Dibble going to preview the World Series. Stay right here. Don't At Me starts right now. Hey, welcome on a beautiful rainy day here in Indy. We've talked about the maniac wide receiver, have we not? We have talked about the fact that you can't swing a dead cat any day ending in Y without an NFL wide receiver doing something stupid. After games, you got to go to the maniac and see if he got enough touches. Our guy, the slowest wide receiver in the NFL, after his team scored 38, was whining that he only had five targets and two catches. His name is Michael Pittman. Many of you probably have never heard of Michael Pittman, but Michael Pittman is a wide receiver in the NFL. Thus, Michael Pittman has to talk and talk about himself and not worry that his team put up 38 points against the number one defense in the NFL. He is just a little pimple on the face of what, over the last couple of days, has been arguably the most idiotic three days of wide receiver. Let's start, ladies and gentlemen, with the OG of dumbass wide receivers. The real OG, of course, is Terrell Owens and Michael Irvin and those clowns. But the recent OG of idiot wide receivers is none other than Antonio Brown Jr. I think he goes by. Antonio Brown Jr. is the guy that decided, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't good enough for me. Well, Tom Brady wasn't good enough for me. I'm going to quit in the middle of the season, take my jersey off, go into the end zone, act like an idiot, get in the car, go to New York, and become a rapper. All the while, Antonio Brown was this close to being sent to the can, this close to being sent to jail. Well, Antonio Brown did spend a few nights in jail for not paying child support, $31,000 to be exact. And you're going to see right now a tweet by Antonio Brown yesterday on, well, what he thinks of child support. Let's show Antonio Brown. F, he actually said the word, child support. There you go. F, child support. And he's running in a jersey with his money away from what is being depicted as a baby mama chasing him to get that money. How about that? There you go. There are the people. See, I think about this. Uh, my, my body, my choice. Women, you have a choice not to let a jackass stick his thing in you. I mean, you have that choice. You really want to talk my body, my choice? Hey, lady, whoever it is that thought it was a good idea 
to let Antonio Brown bounce up and down on top of you or from behind you and do his thing, uh, there's your choice. And choices have consequences. And when you choose to have sex, apparently unprotected sex, leading to children with America's worst group of human beings, non-violent-ish crime division, we'll get into the violent crime part of it coming up here in a minute, Uh, I got to tell you, you made a bad choice. But that's not the issue. The real issue is this idiot Antonio Brown, who apparently goes around sticking his thing in willing women, because I don't think there's been any rape charges yet, uh, without protection. And oh, by the way, last I looked, there's about 15 ways to protect yourself from having children, you moron, you farm animals. Well, the truth of the matter is Antonio Brown, that ain't for Antonio Brown, baby. Antonio Brown got to do his thing, and there are enough skeezy women out there that'll spread him and let him do his thing. Well, the bigger issue is this. Once you have a kid, at least if you have any kind of morality about you, which apparently Antonio Brown does not, then guess what? You got to pay the piper. They say actions have consequences. Well, Having a child with a woman that you're not going to marry or even want to acknowledge has consequences. Those consequences most times end up in a courtroom. Those consequences most times end up with the adult male, which I hesitate to call Antonio Brown an adult male. He's more of the farm animal variety, just banging everything that he can, having kids all over the place. I mean, that's what they do out behind my house in the woods. I mean, I see deer all over the place. Well, somebody's having sex with something. I mean, we got fox, coyote. We got everything out here. We got animals out here. What do animals do? They just have sex. Well, next thing you know, Antonio Brown doesn't want to pay. Antonio Brown thinks that he's above pay. Hey, look, man, I'm Antonio Brown, yo. We'll get into that with Chris Olave coming up in a minute. So Antonio Brown not only ends up in court, but Antonio Brown, and I can't stop laughing about this, is dumb enough to put that out there, that tweet, where he thinks he's going to look good. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you what happens with this. Antonio Brown has a group of dudes around him. Some gangster, usually a little white guy or two, maybe a white t-shirted white guy with a gold chain and a shaved head that goes, oh! Antonio, I can't believe, man. That's the greatest tweet ever. No, it's stupid. It's really stupid. And there will be a day where we'll have to read about Antonio Brown. There will be a day where we'll have to read about how he didn't come to Jesus, but how he straightened himself out. Now, that day has not come for Pac-Man Jones, but hey, what are you going to do? Antonio Brown is apparently bigger than child support, bigger than consequence, and he wants you all to know it. Now, I was thinking about this. Is there anybody that you can think of that would be dumb enough to put that out? Is there anybody in your life that you can think of? I want you to think on this for just a second. You know, I got some wackadoodle friends. I got some dudes that I came up with. One is in jail. A couple have been, you know, third wives, that kind of stuff. But I don't think I have anybody that would be brazen enough to put F child support out for the world to see when it is very well known that, A, you owe child support to a woman. 
That's not your wife. That was never going to be your wife. That maybe she's screwing you over. Maybe she intentionally got knocked up. The woods is full of those women. And it's a good paying job to be a baby mama or else so many women wouldn't go to so many dastardly ways to be a baby mama. It pays. High, high, high end. High end NBA player. Baby mama. Two. High, highly paid NBA player. Lives in my friend's neighborhood. My friend's a car dealer. Told me what she makes. Holy hell. She don't work. She's a baby mama. Huh. I get it. But hey, you do the crime, you do the time. And Antonio Brown's little minions standing around going, oh, Antonio, you got her. Yeah, well, I don't want to read the story when Antonio Brown sits with Oprah and spares his soul and Oprah's crying as she's trying to steal land in Hawaii. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any of it. It's an idiot. Hey, speaking of wide receivers and idiots, we officially can declare wide receivers in the NFL, ex-wide receivers in the NFL, a menace to society. I think we can. Uh, The latest addition is Chris Olave, star, I guess, you guys tell me he's a star, wide receiver of the New Orleans Saints. Now, Chris Olave decided because nobody actually learns anything. Now, I want to explain this to you. Henry Ruggs is in jail, the wide receiver of the Las Vegas Raiders, for going a zillion miles an hour down a busy street and killing a girl. And people will say, well, you know, you know, the NFL guys will learn that lesson. Uh, The NFL guys don't learn nothing. The NFL guys, particularly the wide receivers, are nothing other than stone-cold dumbasses. So Alave decides, well, I am going to go really, really fast because I am something. So you got a 30-mile-an-hour zone. I want you to think where 30-mile-an-hour zones are. 30-mile-an-hour zones are usually in residential neighborhoods. This idiot decides I'm going 70 because I'm Chris Olave. But it gets better. Roll the video on what Chris Olave tries to do when the Kenner, Louisiana police pull him over. Turn around. I need to just try to put your other hand this way. All right, so the reason I stopped you is because I got you going 70 down Jogan. So that's 35 over the speed limit. So, yeah. That's all. I was just trying to get on. Yeah, I get that, but you can't go over more than double. I need you to stand right over here by my car. You can arrest me, man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My bad, dog. Play for the Saints, man. And? Do you have anything on you? Was it? You bought my shit from my pops. Like just this? Yeah, my phone I play for the Saints. And? <laughs> so here's this genius's brother, Chris. Bro was on the way back to the crib from CBS. Ain't none serious. Bro was back to the crib from the CVS. Ain't none serious. Oh, 
Really? Okay. Okay. So this guy decides that he is going to go 70, and you see he got stopped in a residential area. Now, look, I'm sure he's a nice kid. I am. I'm sure he's a nice kid. I, I, I do. Bro, back to the crib from the CBS, CVS. Ain't none serious. I don't know, man. Dude was in handcuffs. <laughs> but he's not the biggest jag in the wide receiver world. He's just a little bit entitled. You know what I'm saying? He's he just like, hey, come on. I'm, I'm entitled. I can go as fast as I want. Don't tell me that anybody's going to learn anything. NBA players haven't learned about sticking their thing into women, even after Magic and boys, even after, according to Dwight Howard and things going on with him. Uh, anyway, they haven't learned, even after Magic Johnson got AIDS. So don't tell me anybody's learning. This idiot, after reading about Henry Ruggs, goes 70 and a 30. But he's not the worst guy. Some guy named Justin Ross, who's pretty good, I guess. Uh, he plays with the Kansas City Chiefs. So Justin Ross is now facing a felony charge. Listen to this. Criminal damage of more than $1,000, but less than $25,000. He was booked into jail. All right? So this genius decides, well, I now am going to be charged with domestic violence. Because, guess what? He's facing, defined as knowingly causing physical contact with a person with whom the offender is involved or has been involved in a dating relationship or a family or a household. And what do I always tell you? I always tell you this. It always comes back to the phone. The items of property damage, laptop, computer, iPhone, gold bracelet, key. He had been facing felony charges of damage. So now this idiot has himself a domestic violence charge. So, old Ross decided that it was a good thing or a smart thing that he was going to get mad at his gal pal and drag her ass across the way. It was exactly as this is explained. Well, man, uh, somebody in one of these articles said, well, you know, he, he was going to drag her ass, you know. You know, you know. I mean, idiots, morons. Why do NFL and NBA players think that they can just do the dumbest stuff? Now, you're going to tell me, well, they're kids, man. They're kids. Here is what the Kansas City Star. The victim told the dispatcher that Ross was dragging her through the house. One of Ross's boys had put out somewhere, yeah, he dragged her ass. I mean, people are insane. Recorded radio traffic indicates that on Monday afternoon, the victim told 911 dispatchers that Ross had been dragging her through the house, tore up the house, broke her cell phone. Prosecutor's $2,500 bond. He's only got to pay $250. No contact order. There you go. And his boys, yeah, man, he dragged her at. What the hell is wrong with people? See, there is an adage that you learn in kindergarten. Your friends define who you become. Think about this. This idiot Alave's brother says there's none to whatever he said, whatever English that wasn't. And one of the buddies of this guy is talking, not in negative terms, in matter-of-fact terms. Like, that's what you're supposed to do to women. Drag her ass. How idiotic are 
our wide receivers? I would love to know. And don't give me any crap about, well, you racist, man, talking about black guys. Hey, if it's a white dude, show me a white wide receiver that did it in the last 48 hours, and I'll put it out there. I could care less. I have said forever, forever, that wide receivers in the NFL are a menace to society. And not in the good NWA way. Uh-uh. No. In the, hey, man, if you get in a relationship with an NFL wide receiver, I got two words for you, Joe Biden style. Absolutely do not. <laughs> because they're idiots. They hang with idiots. Oh, man. Now, I like Ice Cube. I like Ice Cube a lot. Did you know that the NBA, because of their collective bargaining agreements, is being investigated by the Department of Justice <laughs> over allegations that the league worked to thwart Ice Cube's Big Three Basketball League? TMZ said Tuesday, the league has been investigated or is being accused of working to prevent the growth of Ice Cube's Big Three Basketball League. The league is alleged to, of trying to prevent sponsors and other business partners from doing business with the league and discouraging TV networks from carrying Big Three Basketball. And owners have allegedly been discouraged from investing in Big Three basketball. Now, on the surface, I say, look, nothing wrong here. If I feel that somebody, somebody is doing something as my competition, I certainly don't want my people propping my competition up. Do you? I got two words for you. Joe Biden style. Oh, hell no. However, However, there is a collectively bargained agreement which says you can't do that. Can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. Nobody can do that. And guess what? They did it. And Ice Cube has been talking about this forever. Now, you may not think, you may not think that this is a big deal. But here's why I think it's a big deal. Isn't Adam Silver all about inclusivity, Black Lives Matter, and all the other social justice stuff that every white dude in America had to stay silent on or support a couple years ago, and now we've learned it's all a fraud? We actually knew it at the time, but hey, look, man, people out there were crazy. Isn't Adam Silver that guy? Isn't Adam Silver the guy that, hey, you know what? I'm all for minorities. Well, one of the most popular minorities is Ice Cube. This is his business. If Adam Silver wasn't really, truly only invested in the bottom line, he wouldn't care. He honestly wouldn't care. Why would he care what happens? He would encourage young, well, he's not that young anymore, African-American males like Ice Cube to grow the game. Isn't that what we hear? Isn't that all that we hear? We hear we want to grow the game. Is it only growing the game in the NBA so that the NBA can make money? I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm asking you, if we're growing the game, aren't we growing the game?
A source close to the Department of Justice says that the Ice Cube and uh, Wadowitz, who's his partner, met with Department of Justice lawyers during the first half of the year. We're also told investigators have been to begun reaching out to NBA owners as part of their investigation. If the government ultimately finds that the league committed antitrust violations, there could be a significant fine. But I think what probably Ice Cube wants is we just want you to stop thwarting us. It's kind of like YouTube and us. YouTube takes half of our likes away. YouTube changed the algorithms because we've become a threat. Censorship is real in this beautiful country of ours. It is. And I wish they would stop, but they won't. They got all the power, which is, you know, the way the world works. But if I'm Ice Cube, I keep fighting this because Ice Cube believes in this league. Now, I got to give my man Aaron credit. Aaron is the boss man here. I'll call him the executive producer. He's reached out to Ice Cube, and I think we're going to get Ice Cube on the show. That'd be a good get. I don't even know if I'll talk about Big Three. I want to talk about straight out of Compton. I want to talk about that because I like Ice Cube. Ice and I, I call him Ice because we've met and we have a picture together. Ice and I, well, you know what I'm saying. We're, uh, we're tight. We're brothers from another mother. So anyway, we'll see what happens here. But I also say this, if I'm Adam Silver, I don't want Ice Cube's deal taking money out of my deals. And make no mistake, whatever you want to say, the NBA started yesterday with LeBron James shooting a corner jump shot that hit the side of the backboard, and then LeBron James jogging back on defense. That's how the NBA started yesterday. True story. One of my former players, a great player named Brandon Pard, put that out on a tweet. I rewound and watched. Jogs back on defense, and they score. It's completely unwatchable. And it really makes the African-American analyst crazy that Nikolai Jokic, my Serbian brother, is just kicking the crap. The lower level, the lower level NBA analyst, the Kendrick Perkins of the world, whatever that Monica, whatever the hell her name is, uh, the lower level. It makes them nuts. It makes them insane. You go, Jokic. You go. But anyway, how about we just stop? How about we just stop, ladies and gentlemen? Stop right now worrying about Ice Cube's three-on-three league, Adam Silver, and grow the game. Speaking of Silver, Charles Barkley yesterday asked Silver about domestic violence. And good for Silver for answering, but America's worst uh, commissioner, America's most woke commissioner, started talking about, well, we got programs in place, blah, 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 blah. Good for him, but better for Barkley for actually answering. You don't get that much. See, when you get to Barkley's age, and Barkley and I are the same age, you honestly don't care anymore. You don't care what you say. You don't care what you ask. You just ask what's honest and what's right to ask. You don't want to be dishonest. You don't want to be wrong, but you just don't care. And so Charles Barkley asking Adam Silver about incidents of domestic violence was perfect. But this is going to get interesting. And what's going to end up happening is there will be a settlement. And involved in that settlement with the big three will be specific rules on what the NBA can and cannot do to thwart because they're still going to do it. I mean, let's be honest. These dudes are partnering with China. You know, Silver's partnering with a communist regime that brutalizes its people. You think he's going to stop because some court says, hey, look, we're going to fine you $10 million? 
Are you crazy? These people are the worst of the worst. I just hope Ice Cube keeps fighting because I like a good fight. No, I really like a good fight, and I think it's great. So yesterday, I'm sitting on my ass. I'm minding my own business. I ain't doing nothing. I went over to the workout place over here. I worked out hard. Like, this thing right here is starting to get toned. This thing here is doing what's called HIT workouts, boot camp on Peloton. That's right. That's what I'm doing. So I got a water. There's a rocking chair. The workout place is at a golf course. There's a driving range. I'm not bothering nobody. I'm sitting, minding my own business. It's a nice afternoon. Guys are getting ready to play golf. I've just worked out like a maniac. I'm getting ready to go home. I I may hit a couple balls. I don't know. I'm having a nice day. And then it happens. Guy comes and sits down next to me. Hey, Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Hey, we met a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. Hey, great, man. Everything good? Yeah, it's great. Hey, I used to play baseball with a buddy of yours. Great guy I'm talking to. And then it happens. Well, you know, my son, oh. Whenever I hear, you know, my son, a black cloud comes over my face and I have to fight the urge to not be rude. I ain't afraid to be rude, but here's what happens when I'm rude. When I'm rude, then I feel bad. And then I got to wake up in the middle of the night thinking, "Ah, I got to find this guy. Some guy a couple weeks ago, I was having beers with a friend of mine Friday evening. Some guy's yelling at me across the bar. Dawkins, call Ed. I'm like, hey, man, that, that ain't my thing. Guy comes over to the table, and I was rude. I was. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? Why don't you just come over and say hello? I mean, I'm not going to make it, you know. And, all right, so then I felt bad. I'm trying to find a guy's number. Anyway, so the guy starts with, you know, my son's a pitcher, and he pitched at Indiana University of Indianapolis. Okay. All right. Well, he struck out Schwarber, and he kept going on and on. At this point, uh, the black cloud is really thick. And I got to think about something else while the guy's talking. Then I saw this story yesterday on Pat Mahomes, and it hit me. So Pat Mahomes is uh, how, uh, on how playing baseball, basketball influenced his career. Now, I don't exactly know when I was looking at this story, how I made the correlation to the guy yesterday that kept on and on and on about his son. But I don't know. Somehow I feel like it fits. Because all you guys out there got that 10-year-old that's a stud. Don't talk about your son. Nobody wants to hear about him. If I wanted to hear, hey, you got any kids? Yeah, I got, you know, I never, ever, well, you know, Andrew, blah, 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 blah. Well, Laura, Never. Not one time ever. And I'm not exactly sure how the correlation to Pat Mahomes playing two sports goes, but I'm going to make it. You ready? Mahomes says, so much of what I do is because I played baseball. I was a shortstop. And out on the football field, I'm doing exactly what I was doing as a shortstop. I'm hitting the first baseman in the chest. All those arm angles, throwing sidearm, underhand against the body. All of that stuff I did as a shortstop. Yes, now he talks about basketball. 
But playing high school basketball was also a huge influence on the way I play. I was a point guard. And in many ways, that's exactly how I feel now. I'm still the point guard, trying to get the ball to people in space, get the ball to them in a position to score. In a lot of ways, it's exactly the same. Now, I don't know whether he was any good as a point guard, but I know he was a really good baseball player, and obviously his dad, I'll never forget when his dad came to the Cubs, I thought that we had the next Doc Good, because I thought he threw hard. I'm like, hey, we got the next David Cohn, because I think at that time, and I could be wrong, he might be younger. But at the time, Doc Good and David Cohn, they were in the NL East with the Cubs and the Cubs and the Mets. I think he's younger. But long story short, I thought we had the real thing. I thought we had the next Fergie. Okay, we didn't. But I've known the Mahomes family, or not known them. I've known who they are ever since Mahomes Sr. came over from the Twins. But anyway, are you all with your stud 12-year-old, that grandson that you got to tell everybody about? Is he just specializing in sports? Is he baby Gronk? Is he just out there? You know, he's the greatest linebacker in Pop Warner football right now. Really? I'll even tell you about my son. Right now, my son was the hardest-throwing 10-year-old in a 10- to 12-year-old league. He was feared. Never pitched a game in high school basketball or baseball. Not once. I'm like, dude, you should play. What are you doing? I like going to games. I get popcorn. I go watch the game. It's great. No, I don't want to. Okay. No problem. Basketball worked out really well for him, and I'm very proud of him, but I'm not going to sit there and tell you all about him. I think every kid should play three sports if they can. Now, there's no guarantee you can play three sports. I didn't play football because there was nowhere for me to play. I was too slow as a wide receiver. We had better quarterbacks than me. And frankly, I don't know. There was no way I was playing safety or corner. I remember when my football career ended. Front yard, Mike Walsh house in Brookwood. Mike was rich. They had a nice front yard. I couldn't guard anybody as a safety or corner or whatever you call it when you're just guarding a guy one-on-one. I couldn't guard nobody. And then I couldn't throw the ball well enough. I don't know. I got these fat fingers. I got big hands, but fat fingers. So that wasn't going to happen, but baseball was good. And of course, basketball saved my life. And then Lee Ross came along and saved it again. But that's for another story at another time. Get your kid out there playing sports. Get your kid out there playing all sports. If your kid is specializing, then he's either the fat kid that can't play anything else, or you're the idiot dad that is sitting there begging for a scholarship. Either way, it ain't great. There's nothing good about it. The woods is full of dudes playing many sports. And you basketball guys, just stop. Do yourself a favor. My brother was smarter than anybody. You know why? My brother realized his son wasn't going to be athletic enough. So you know what my brother did? My brother said, hey, Pete, learn how to play tennis. And he went on and played college tennis. Why are you wiping your booty on the ground, dog? What is that about? That's weird. That's just weird. Seriously. If you're out there and you're a dad and your kid's playing one sport and he's like 10 years old, that's just stupid. Uh, sidebar on all of this, uh, speaking of just stupid, look it up. Look this up. The NFL in particular 
has a zillion guys, including the all the rage Kelseys that played high school basketball. College coaches love to go watch your son play high school basketball if they're recruiting him for football. Trust me on this. Trust me. I sat there and watched the entire Stanford football staff with Bill Polian watching a kid that had just decommitted at Zionsville to go to Notre Dame. And he was open. And he ended up going to Stanford and playing for Harbaugh. The entire football staff was there. Do yourself a favor. Get the kid playing basketball. Get the kid playing baseball. Get the kid playing stuff. Uh, Side note, y'all got duped yesterday, didn't you, here in Indianapolis by Greg Doyle, my guy. Greg Doyle wrote an article bashing McAfee for having uh, Aaron Rodgers on and bashing Rodgers. And you all fell for it. Look, understand this. When somebody has absolutely been wrong on every take ever, whether it is Archie Manning or Archie Miller being the number one guy, a grand slam hire, body bags at the Indianapolis 500 if they open it up, going back to colleges like Vietnam, Super Bowl aspirations for the Colts when they went under 500, Matt Ryan is everything the Colts need. The guy's never been right, but you all got all excited. And you all got mad, and you did exactly what Doyle wants. You clicked on his stuff. Doyle's a cretin. Doyle's an adulterer. Doyle's a punk. Doyle's a coward. Don't give him any attention. Be smarter than that. All right, did you know this? Did you know that there are 125 international players on NBA rosters? This is the most ever, and let me tell you why. Now, you all think it's because when kids are young, they, in other countries, get selected for academies and camps. And that's absolutely true, particularly in Serbia. But here's an even bigger issue. Did you know most of these players, 24 of them, come from Canada? It's something I started noticing in the mid-90s. All of a sudden, Canada became a hotbed for high school hoops. Here's what they were doing. This all started with a guy named John Batove. John Batove brought basketball, brought the Toronto Raptors to Canada. He's a former IU guy, rich dude. What did he do? Well, you know what he did? He hired Isaiah Thomas, his buddy from IU. Isaiah was the first guy with the Toronto Raptors, head coach, general manager. They they did a very smart thing, very smart. They got Tracy McGrady there out of high school. Tracy McGrady was the first guy that ever got big-time shoe contracts, big-time fame, without ever playing a game in the NBA. He hadn't done squat. And really, you can make the argument, other than score a bunch of points, didn't do squat in the NBA. But he was all over commercials. I mean, all over them, before he ever played a game. Well, well, Canada had never seen anything like this. And Tracy McGrady was scoring 20. Canadian kids fell in love. First time we've had this. Never had a team. Canadian kids in the Toronto area started loving on hoops. Then Vince Carter came in, and he's dunking on everybody. Canadian kids fell in love. Prep schools popped up all over Canada, where a kid would go an extra year. Kids were coming from all over the place. They were living in houses. I'll never forget going to recruit a kid. In fact, one of the kids, last name is Thomas, was a starter on Michigan State's championship team, I think. Either that or he was six-man. I can't remember. <clears throat> but Mike Thomas or something Thomas 
came into Michigan State from this group of prep school. I went up there to recruit him. There was like eight great athletes living in a house. I think there was adult supervision. I don't know. But they all went to some academy or some kind of school where they got an extra year. They've all come into college basketball. They all came into professional basketball. They got really, really good. That's the history of Canadian basketball now. Steve Nash was different than everybody. He was out west. I'll never forget, guys sent me a videotape when I was at Indiana of this kid playing in a gym the size of my head, which is big for heads, but not big for gyms. Anyway, I'm watching him. I go to Coach Knight. I said, Coach, this dude's really good. He watches the video. He says, he can't play here, Dan, because we got 17,000 people. He's got no background in basketball. How's he going to play here? Yeah, I don't know. He made a good point, Knight did. But I'm watching going, this dude can really play. But he was from the Western side, I think the Vancouver side. And Vancouver had an NBA team then as well. Anyway, this is what started it in Canada. And when you look at the NBA right now, my staff is giving you Jokic, the Greek freak, Doncic, Embiid, Jamal Murray, Webinyama, Pascal Siakam. Shea Gilgis Alexander, Buddy Heal. I mean, it is big and long, and it ain't slowing down. Now, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be two problems here with the NBA. One is, man, we see all these colleges, and we see all these players, and they don't end up making it in the NBA. These foreign kids come in, and they've got no brand behind them. Michael Jordan had a massive brand when he came into the NBA, North Carolina, on TV all the time. He had to overcome getting his ass whooped by me, but hell, that was so often for so many people. I mean, you could overcome that. And he was an Olympic gold medalist. Now, none of these, cla- none of these cats have anything behind them. So the NBA's problem is nobody knows who these guys are until they get here. Now, if they become great, We love them, Doncic, Greek Freak, (laughs) Jokic. The second problem that the NBA has is the American kids play for a thing called Overtime Elite, which is a G League deal. The fourth and fifth fifth picks in the NBA draft are two kids named Thompson. I got no idea who they are. Everybody tells me they're great. Scoochie Henderson of Portland was the second pick, and he's talking about, I got to do great things here. Shut up. Nobody knows who you are. You'll get 20 because I could get 20 in the water down NBA right now. Are you kidding me? No defense, no hand checking, no knocking you on your ass when you go to the rim, no nothing. But the truth of the matter is when you got healed and Shea Gilgis Alexander, Webb Yama, Jamal Murray, Luka Doncic, uh, the Greek freak, uh, Jokic, I mean, all foreign players. It is going to be interesting. See, if you're good enough, nobody cares. If you are, if you're good enough. Like, I'm watching the D-backs yesterday. I got a lot of Latino players or wherever. I mean, Dominican, whatever. Pretty good and fun to watch. They are. I didn't root for, I don't know, it looked like the Phillies had a lot of white players. I didn't root for the Phillies or I didn't root for either team because of who are the players. I started rooting for the Phillies because the crowds, as we've talked about a couple weeks ago, were unbelievable. And then I started rooting for the Diamondbacks because they hadn't been very good all year. 
And next thing you know, they beat out the Cubs in the last week, and they're in the World Series. And I didn't know who this guy Perez was playing right field for the Rangers. I don't know where he's from, and I don't care. All I know is he got hit by a pitch intentionally, and all he did was go nuts after that, hitting grand slams, home runs, and leading the Rangers to the World Series. And he was, an un- he was a free agent. Any team could have had him. He led the Rangers to the World Series. So I don't think we really care, but it's going to be interesting in the NBA. NBA, national TV contracts are up. The, the networks want lesser packages. They don't want to show a game every night. Why? Interest waning. You got to look at why is interest waning. Maybe that's the reason. Hey, when we come back, we are going to talk to one of our favorites, the great Rob Dibble is going to join. We're going to talk some baseball coming up. Where are you going? Stay right here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know my stance on Rob Dibble. The Reds Hall of Fame doesn't matter if Rob Dibble and the Nasty Boys are not in. That is my stance. That will always be my stance. Kiss my ass if you don't like my stance, but that's my stance. Dibbs joins us right now. Uh, I'm not getting – I'm going to get into that at the end. Let's get into baseball. Are you shocked at what happened with the Phillies losing two at home? No. You had a journeyman, Merrill Kelly – uh, stick it to him in game six. You had a rookie in Fott that I think he gave up 22 home runs and 96 innings in the regular season. Um, it's a process learning how to pitch. And as Merrill Kelly said, you know, he had to go to Korea and all over the world to learn what I think a lot of uh, younger pitchers need to learn. It's not about velocity. It's about command. It's about moving the ball. It's about pitching to contact. Just real simple stuff. And so they were able to uh, attack. I mean, I don't love having Schwarber leading off. I, I don't want to start the game with a strikeout. Yeah, I know he hit 45 home runs, but he hit 200. So for me as a pitcher, thank you. You know, I, I put Trey Turner up first, uh, Harper up second, and maybe Schwarber behind them to drive them in. Um, but I, I know they felt comfortable with that, but it hurt them last night in the Game 7 scenario. So um, I, I'm sure if you look back at statistically – um, some of the moves these analytical departments have made are, are just ridiculous. And then, you know, I, I look at the Diamondbacks, you got a, a bunch of misfit toys as the older guys, Longoria, Guriel, and then you got absolute studs in the Corbin Carrolls and the Christian Walkers and uh, some of these young guys fought. Um, so, you know, the Diamondbacks and Tori Lovello, they deserve to go to the World Series. Um, I, I know people talk about the Dodgers or the Braves and the playoff format. That's all bunk. 
it's total garbage. Um, you, you know, if you can't be psyched up, and I like what Spencer Strider said from the Braves, if you can't get psyched up after five days off to play baseball and be in the postseason, you shouldn't be in the postseason. I agree. Anybody complaining about it? Hey, look, the bottom line is it's competition. I don't give a damn. You're in the playoffs. Who are we playing? It's like the NCAA yes. tournament. You wait till Sunday night. Uh, after you find out and you go play. doesn't matter whether you're going to bitch about it or not. You know the format. Well, I mean, listen, it, you know, some of the people think just because you win 100 games in the regular season, yeah, you're a great regular season team. You know, this Diamondbacks team lost 110 games two years ago. 110 games they lost two years ago. So I, I think it's great for baseball. It's not about spending $350 million if you're the Mets. And by the way, they didn't just spend 350. They had 130 dead money. So they spent about a half a billion this year for some guys not even to play for them. Um, you know, I love the fact that you got like Eovaldi should still be pitching for the Red Sox. Some yo-yos up there were like, oh, we don't like Eovaldi. Yeah, okay. Look at the guy pitching the World Series now. Yankees, Jordan Montgomery. Um, yeah, let's let's not keep him, but we'll keep these other idiots like Soriano or Severino or all these other idiots. You know, dude. Pitching is about boxing and going out there, bases loaded, and throwing a 3-2 breaking ball or throwing a 3 change up. That's pitching. That's having guts. And and no analytical report is going to tell you about the makeup of these guys. So just look at the Merrill Kellys and the Eovaldis and the Montgomerys. Those are the guys that are still playing and still pitching because they are baseball players. And if you look at both of these teams, the Rangers are – I mean, Adalas Garcia – he was DFA'd by the Cardinals in 2019. That's designated for assignment because we don't think you're good. Uh, if those people aren't fired by the Cardinals, I don't know who you fire because you got to be an idiot not to think that that guy's a player. So, uh, you know, the, this, the World Series is littered, Dan, with rejects of people that don't know squat about baseball. Hey, I want to talk about Garcia. First, uh, Abreu, do you think he threw at him? What did you think of that whole situation? Well, if he did throw at him, he's an idiot because you don't do it in the playoffs. Um, yeah, you got the win there, but they came back and they smoked you in six and seven, and now you're sitting at home. And uh, and and he hit. I think he hit Garver in in the game seven. So I, I don't think it was intentional because it would be really stupid uh, to do something like that. But at the same token, Garcia gets thrown out of the game. So uh, you know, in hockey terms, it would have been a great move. But you know, baseball. Guys are guys are thinking in their own universe, and relievers are the worst because we're so insecure. We don't want to fail, um, you know. And and sometimes I'll give you an example. Like we intensely walked Andre Dawson one time. When we were playing the Cubs four times in the game because we couldn't get him out. That's what Lou thought. Um, and so we walked him, and like the third time, Andre's yelling at our bench, "Dude, let me play. You know why are you doing this?" We were doing it to, to – Lou was doing it to the pitching staff to prove a point. So when you respect guys enough to either hit them or intentionally pitch around them and walk – like Jordan Alvarez, I wouldn't be pitching to this guy in certain situations, but my job is to get him out every time. So you 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 have a philosophy maybe coming off the bench that, hey, let's, let's not give this guy anything to hit. And in the same respect, you're like, you know, this guy could beat me with one swing and, and uh, change the game. So – you know, I, I don't think you'd want to hit a guy right there other than the fact that you don't think you can get him out. Hey, uh, by the way, 
I loved what Garcia did, man. The good, it's like you woke up somebody. He started going crazy, including a grand slam the next night, two home runs. I mean, you got to – that dude has all kinds of sack, man, because he gets hit, gets pissed. A lot of guys might go the other way. He said, screw this, I'm going to kick your ass, and he kicked their ass. Well, and Dan, there's nothing like getting hit in the ribs with 99. Uh, I mean, I didn't hit a lot of guys Ooh. in my career, but, you know, I understand when I was throwing uh, underneath their hands or underneath their, their chest or their throat, it's a scary proposition. So, uh, you know, anybody's going to get upset when you get 99 in the ribs. Um, it just fired that guy up. I, I love what Chris Young said, and, and give Chris Young a lot of credit. Princeton grad, <clears throat> former major leaguer. He's a baseball guy. Uh, Texas did great by hiring this guy. Brings back Bruce Bochy, brings in baseball people. Like, guys, we're just going to play baseball. We're going to win games. And that, that's what we're going to do. Um, and, and like Chris Young said, he said when he was in Houston – Garcia was booed louder than anybody's ever heard. And Garcia's retort to that was, listen, I, I, I'm my, I play by, you know, my own rules. I, I, I'm, you know, calm in my head. I know what I'm doing, even though people could be going crazy around me. I love that kid. I love that. And for the Cardinals not to recognize his talent, not baseball talent, um, his heart and, and, you know, how, how smart he is. I think that's, that's part of the problem in baseball right now. We're not, we're not trying to get better baseball players in the big leagues. We're trying to get, like, you know, mathematicians and scientists. It's, it's not working. You know what else ain't working? And I know I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I've had enough of A-Rod. I can't even watch. I, I, <laughs> I, there's, just a, there's just a dirty thing there, Dibs. I don't know. I, you listen, Joe Buck just said it. I love Joe Buck. He was asked, you know, because everybody thinks he's the voice of October. I do, too. I mean, his dad, Jack, was amazing. Um, and what a great family there. The, the fact that we we tout, whether it's Altuve or Bregman or A-Rod, these cheaters. Um, and I'll give you a quick story. So I had dinner with the guy that did the technology for Major League Baseball. Put in those play-by-play. Uh, uh, actually, I have a guy who, who worked with the guy. And so he put all those those uh, play-by-play things around Major League Baseball with the, um, the the different, you know, recognition stuff, the pattern recognition technology. And he said Manfred knew all about it. Manfred actually fired his whole crew after it all came out, what happened in 2017. So listen, if you're, if you're led by a guy like Manfred who condones guys like A-Rod and Altuve and didn't suspend any players, uh, didn't vacate the World Series of 2017 – then 2018 with what the Red Sox were doing with all, all the cheating that they were doing with going to the play-by-play booths. You know, that that's where we are as a game. We're, we're surrounded by people that accept cheaters more so than the guys who just do it straight up. We do. We, 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 we really, yeah. we, we, we do. That's exactly what we do. That's exactly. And, you know, I've said in college sports for years and years and years, cheating pays. I mean, I don't give a damn. Cheating pays. Uh, and it certainly has in baseball. Who, who's got the better team? Who do you like in the World Series? I like the Rangers because they have home field advantage. But listen, don't count anybody out. Don't count anybody out because it's all about having pitching. And, and Montgomery had to come in and uh, save, save Scherzer's bacon. But listen, two great teams managed by two great managers. I love Torrey. Uh, Bochy, obviously, is a Hall of Fame manager. That's what it's all about. It's, and, Dan, you know this as a, as a, as a former coach. You, you know that it's it's managing the men in the room. It's not about managing the game and the X's and O's. It's, it's about getting these guys to understand how good they are. 
And um, I, I just think that, you know, when you're led by good people, Dusty Baker's one of the best. Uh, you look at all of these guys, um, all, all of the all these teams. Dave Roberts is, is amazing. All of these coaches, they, they manage the people. They don't manage the game. Those guys, they can play baseball. They've been playing since they're five years old. So I, I just think I like the Rangers, but I, I'm not going to count out the Diamondbacks. I think they're two great teams, and uh, one of them is going to be a world champion after seven games. Man, Dibs, I think it's going to be fun, and I got to tell you something. I thought that the Phillies crowd, I'm sure you got booed. I'm sure you got called everything in the book in Philadelphia, but all of a sudden, Philly people are happy. <laughs> it was like a joyous crowd. What is that? Dude, they're the best, though. Um, got my first one in the major leagues at Veterans Stadium. They used to have a net over the bullpen in, in Philly because they would throw so much crap at us. But that, that, I love it. I love Philly fans. I love the Giant fans, man. They used to, you know, throwing stuff, spitting at me, throwing beer on me. You're making me a better player. So, you know, the people that think, oh, my God. It, no, I love Philly. I think they have great fans. Um, they show up. They represent. I, I thought they were electric. That's that's baseball. We drew over 70 million people again this year. Uh, hopefully it goes to 80. You know, I, I damn what I would like to see is Major League Baseball on weeknight games. Give out the tickets that aren't sold. Put people in the seats. Put kids in the seats. Grow the game. You know, fill every stadium as much as possible so that, that everybody can enjoy the game. Because it's great, man. I, I don't know if you saw the two football players from the Eagles that were at the game. They were just, they were loving yeah. it. They're like, dude, this is the greatest vibe ever. And, uh, you know, they couldn't wait to come back to a game. That's that's the best sales pitch right there. Having guys from another major sport loving baseball. I agree. I, I Look, I started watching. Like, I couldn't wait for the Phillies games because of the crowd. I just – and I'm th sitting there thinking, <laughs> wait a second. These people are throwing batteries. They're hating on people. Dibs, have a great day, man. Thank you for the time. Dan, you're the best. Thank you, buddy. Anytime I can help you, you know where to get me. That's the great Rob Dibble. How is he not in the Reds Hall of Fame? Hey, honest to God, this pisses me off like I can't even believe. Like, I'm not even a Reds fan. But if you were going to ask me, all right, uh, give me some Hall of Famers. Well, nasty boys. Like, what, you guys pissed at him? What, you won too much? What, are you embarrassed what you're doing now with the Reds? What are you doing here? You guys are good. In fact, I'm going to go take a dump. It got me so mad, if you want to know the truth. It's just got me pissed off. All right. Before we go to break, uh, you guys that are fat, myself included, you fight weight loss. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Fat, feeling fat, feeling good. That's right. That's how I feel. Fat and jolly. Yeah, Tyson Fury embraces the biggins. You know we love our biggins. You know we love the big folk. He opens up about his love handles by saying his big body will help him beat the Rip Francis Nguyen ahead of their blockbuster fight. Here's what he had to say. If I had a 10-pack and looked like Adonis, completely unbelievable, and I wasn't winning, it's pointless. Look at him. Look at those things right there on the side. So I don't really care about being fat. I actually embrace being fat because my love handles separate me from the rest of the world. Well, the rest of the boxing world, it makes you one of us. Ever, uh, ever in history, ever in history, there's never been anyone like me. There never will be. I'm fat now. I was fat as a baby, and I'll be fat on my deathbed. That's right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take off right now and lose a few pounds. But I got to tell you, fat is back, baby. I'll be right back.
That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey, welcome back. Last night, I was shocked. I, I'm not going to lie to you. And I thought, well, maybe I fell in love with the Phillies because Schwarber's an Indiana guy and the crowd was great. I was surprised at how this went. Ruben Amaro Jr. is a former Phillies assistant GM. He is now the analyst for the Phillies. And he's nice enough to join us. One of the great names in baseball. Ruben, what happened last night? Mix of things. I mean, uh, obviously the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks came back and sort of shocked the world and and played really great baseball. And the Phillies really couldn't respond. I mean, the big boys in their lineup had opportunities to, uh, you know, to open up this game. But uh, the D-backs, and to their credit, they executed really well pitching wise, and the Phillies couldn't uh, couldn't combat them. But um, you know that's baseball. It is a uh, it's a very volatile sport, and you just on any given day, you never know who's going to win the baseball game. And uh, you know, got to credit the D-backs for bouncing back. And unfortunately for the Phillies, the big boys that uh, that are expected to have success just couldn't get it done. You know, honestly, guy, I just had Rob Dibble on, and going way back into the '90s when the Nasty Boys, I, I realized this. The old cliche of baseball, you know what, particularly in postseason baseball, great bullpen, timely hitting, and you win games. And that you mentioned the big boys didn't get it done. That's the timely hitting part, right? I mean, at some point, you got to score more than two. Yeah, and that's something that the D-backs did. I mean, listen, the, 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 base, the, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies were, 
um, were built to score runs, and that's the, that was the reason why they had you know Schwarber and Castellanos and Harper and signed Turner recently. All those you know all those guys, um, and you know JT Realmuto. You can keep going. It was actually the young guys in Bryson Stott and uh, Alec Bohm who actually came through last night. But when those guys, I think they went something like one for eighteen or something. Uh, in the last, uh, you know, couple of games at home of all places, uh, where they've fared very well. Uh, you know, when, when those guys don't come up with the big base hits, it makes it really tough. Now, um, you know, D-backs, they did what they do best. They they run the bases well. They put some pressure on the Phillies. They got ahead, and once they did that, they uh, they held on. And whatever plan that they had to execute, they uh, got a lot of swings and misses out of their. Uh, out of their bullpen and and uh, and you're right I, I i do think that um at the end of the day it's important to have a good bullpen but even starting pitching you know the the deeper the starting pitching i think the deeper your team has a chance to have success but in this case it was the bullpens that took over you know hey ruben when, when did this um I've talked about this a lot on the show. When did this Philadelphia, we're always angry crowd, turn into, like, joy? When, when did it turn into, like, Wrigley Field all of a sudden? When, when, was it this year? Did I miss something? I know last year they went to the World Series. Was it last year? It struck me big time this year. You know, a little bit of a new normal, man. They're the kindler, gentler Philly fan. And I, I think it started, you know, with the Phillies, it started with Alec Bohm. You know, last year, Alec had a couple of tough games or and, and one big game in particular where he made a bunch of errors. And he basically flipped off the crowd with a uh, with uh, something he said to, to one of his teammates. And I think, you know, once he came to terms with that and he actually, you know, apologized and said, you know, he, the, the emotions got the best of him, they, they sort of supported him. And after that, uh, they were really, really positive. Same sort of thing happened with Trey Turner. I think it was sometime in early August when they just decided, hey, man, we're going to try to lift this guy up a little bit. He's been struggling. Uh, he hasn't been the Trey Turner that they everybody had expected, uh, nor did Trey expect that. But um, once that happened, I mean, Trey Turner just went off and started playing at an MVP level. And I think, you know, the Philly fans have, uh, have you know, they're not going to stop booing. That's not ever going to happen because um, because they feel like you know they're because they paid their tickets that they uh, they have every right to express their their opinions uh, to their players and to their coaching staffs. But but they've been you know, they've been really supportive, and I think they connected with this team in a way that uh, that hasn't happened in a long time. Hey, I got to ask you, uh, I'm sh- uh, you know, you're a baseball guy, so I'm sure, you know, you're paying attention more than just the Phillies. Garcia gets hit by Abreu. Dusty Baker does what you're supposed to do, goes nuts. Number one, did you think it was intentional? And number two, how much respect do you have for Garcia, given his history and then given the fact that, you know what, he went nuts, and I mean nuts on the field after he got hit. Hey man, I liked everything about it. That's sort of old school baseball. Um, yeah. Garcia was just, you know, took, just took a little too long to go around the bases, and and uh, and you know the Houston Astros took offense to it. I do think it was on purpose. That's the kind of stuff that happens. 
you don't see it happening all that often anymore in baseball. Um, I think there's a little too much showboating, and I think there's a little disrespect. Um, I don't have any issues at all, ever, about guys celebrating when it's visceral, when you know you punch somebody out, and you you know you, uh, you know, or or whatever it is the case, and you get emotion. But when you start staging these home runs and celebrations, I just think it's a lot. And at some point, you know, there's a boiling point for everything. And I don't, I don't think Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros took, uh, you know, they, they didn't like it too much. Now, credit Adolis Garcia to, you know, to respond to that in the way that he did. And, and uh, you know, he went nuts. You're right. I mean, he ended up uh, being the MVP or what have you. And pretty impressive effort by him. Do you think, you know, you, you've been on all sides of this. You, you've been a player, you've been a GM, now you're a broad. I mean, you've been on every side of this for a, a lot of years. Um, do you think analytics gets a bad name, or do you think baseball is where it needs to be with that? I just had Dibs on, and he was talking about pitching and how analytics can't teach you this, that, and the other. And I don't disagree with him, but I also don't I, – I also – you know, I coached forever college basketball, and I was using – I didn't know they were called analytics, but I was using those types of, types of thing when I was coaching college basketball. Where, where do you think analytics falls, particularly in the postseason? So analytics, I think, has its place, and uh, there is a tremendous value on the information that you gain. I, I've always said this. The, the, the first time an old-time scout walks into a ballpark to scout a player, the first – Things he picks up are the are the stats pack, and they look through you know what this guy's done, and you can analyze all that information um, any which way you you want to. Um, I think that there is a limit to how you should one evaluate players and two formulate your game plan um, when it comes to analytics. There is um, an element of feel and an element of actual people who understand baseball, the sport of baseball, um, and how you should be analyzing and evaluating and planning, uh, um, you, you know, the way you go about your business in that business. Um, so I do think that there's a great value in some of the analytics. It's a matter of, though, of at the end of the day, the players playing on the field. There's information out there that they should have. But when it gets down to it, all of those things, all of that information, while useful, it cannot um, replace the, the actual feel and the actual performance of an athlete. So that, that, that athlete, especially in baseball, for instance, if a guy is, you know, you're, you're hitting and there's a guy on the mound who, you know, you know, when he has a one-two count, 75% of the time he throws a breaking ball, um, you know, it, that day he may not have his breaking ball. He may not be able to spin the breaking ball the same way. He may be hanging it. He may have to go to a different pitch. And so you can't necessarily go up there um, and think that there are any absolutes in the game of baseball. Yes, there are trends and yes, there's information. Um, but it's a matter of, um, of actually being able to you know, sift through what's important, what's important for you as an athlete and what's important for you as an organization when you're really evaluating. And I think at the end of the day, there had been like a 15 or 20 year period over the last 
15 or 20 years where we've gotten away from the feel of the game and we've gotten more and more analytical. And I think that that is the reason why the commissioner's office decided that rather than have a walk, a hit, or a home run be a walk, a strikeout, or a home run be like the three outcomes are basically were happening, that we needed to like inject the realness, you know, of what baseball is about. It's about putting the ball in play. It's about making contact. It's about ma- making a pitch to get a ground ball for a double play. It's about um, stealing a base and moving a runner. It's about a lot of different things that analytically don't certainly in my mind don't necessarily match up so um i think there's a great value in the analytics i think that that um there's something to be said for them but it's a matter of how to apply them and how to evaluate your team appropriately and at the end of the day i mean it's important to have baseball people make baseball decisions because there's a different feel for the game with the people who actually know the game it's as if like you know, somebody's asking me, well, I know a little bit about, you know, coding, but not very much. And so now I'm going to interject my, you know, my information about something I don't really know that much about. It gets a little unwieldy at times. Hey, last thing. Uh, that was a great description, actually. That was terrific. I mean, that pretty much sums up the entire deal. Based on where we're at right now, right now. You know, I, I went to go see the Rangers and the Cubs, and the Rangers were horrible. Like, second baseman went, you know, they were ter- All right. So, people always say, well, this team does. Who's got an advantage right now based on how the playoffs went? I just think the Rangers have a better ball club. Um, I think that they're more well uh, uh, positioned, though um, I do have some concern about uh, the Rangers handling, you know, some of the pitching. I mean, the I always believe that at the end of the day, it's about pitching. And so what I've seen and what happened with the D-backs in the last, I don't know, maybe two months of the season, month and a half, they really organized their bullpen extremely well. And Tori Labello has, has actually worked that, that part of their game together extremely well. And they also have two very good starters at the top of their rotation. So you combine those two things – And at the end of the day, always, in my mind, really good pitching will always beat really good hitting, or most of the time. I shouldn't say always. So I'm I'm a little concerned about the Rangers because their pitching's okay. Um, Their bullpen's not very good, um, and I don't think they have the depth that um, certainly that the D-backs have. So the D-backs have like a real legitimate chance to win. I do, at the end of the day, do believe that um, if you just – just like with the Phillies and the D-backs, if you put these two teams on paper, you would obviously come out with the Phillies being on top because I think they were the best team of the Final Four. But they didn't make the plays and they didn't play the game the well, well the game well enough to to you know vanquish the the D-backs. So you know this is another situation where the D-backs, if they continue to do and play the way they played, they got a pretty darn good chance of beating the Rangers. Hey, you've been involved in a lot of philanthropic things. The Darren Dalton Foundation is near and dear to your heart, is it not? Yeah, it really is. I mean, Darren was um, one of the greatest, the greatest teammates I've ever had, the best leader I've ever had. Uh, he really, like many of us uh, who played with him, he kind of took me under his wing, uh, near and dear friend. 
uh, got a chance to play with him for several years with the Phillies. And, um, you know, in fact, we had, we had actually, when I went into the front office with Ed Wade, we had interviewed him for the possibility of him being our manager. It just didn't work out. Um, and then Darren obviously, uh, tragically was diagnosed with, uh, glioblastoma, uh, the cancer of the brain in, uh, 2013 and then, uh, eventually vanquished to and, and, and passed away in 2017, um, really broke my heart. Um, and while he was going through that process, he thought it was important for, for he and his family to make, you know, the world aware. And um, that's what he did with the his wife Amanda, um, and they formulated the Darren Dalton Foundation dot uh, org, and um, and you know basically uh, to bring awareness and to help and support people who have brain cancer, and uh, and that's really what it's all about. I've been very fortunate to be a part of it. One of the ambassadors. There's many many people in the Phillies organization who have played with Darren, who are also ambassadors and support this group. Um, but it is very near and dear to, to me and, and to them, not just because of how tragic that disease is and um, how difficult it is to manage, but also because um, we just love Darren. And he's um, he was someone that, uh, that all of us felt so close to and, uh, just a special, special man. Um, we did uh, recently, my understanding is that, uh, you know, we've done a bunch of events and just recently uh, we found out there's going to be a celebrity uh, bartending event in spring training next year. And I'm not quite sure of the dates down in Clearwater. Um, and that's uh, basically where Darren was living uh, before he passed. Um, and we're, and then it's the home site of the Phillies uh, spring training, and we're excited about, uh, you know, being part of that. And uh, again, they've raised quite a bit of money over the over time. But uh, if anybody wants to support, it is the uh, Darren Dalton Foundation dot org. And if you want to get involved and and to give, because it's a it's a great great charity and uh, for a great great person and cause. Appreciate you, Ruben. That's great stuff, man. Hope you'll come back. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, and thanks for having me. You guys be well. No, it's absolutely. Look, the Darren, Dal Darren Dalton, anybody you talk to in and around baseball, as you know, Danny Plezak's a good friend of ours. We went to high school together and all that, and everybody talks about, I get, you know, Dutch. Darren Dalton is one of the all-time great dudes in the history of baseball. So go ahead and check out the foundation and give a little something. If you're looking – to donate to something, I'm telling you now, Darren Dalton, every single person, and I mean this, you know I tell you the truth, every single person you will ever talk to in and around baseball will tell you that Darren Dalton is one of the all-time greatest guys ever, ever, leader, player, father, whatever. So do yourself a favor. Go, go over and check out the Darren Dalton Foundation and see what you can do to help, help out, It'll make you feel good. I mean, you know, you want to feel good? How about you do that? And I thank Ruben for coming on. That was fantastic, particularly the day after a difficult loss. And look, in, in organizations, you know, when I was coaching with Bobby Knight at Indiana, when we lost and I was an assistant, I got to tell you, it ruined my day. I mean, you know, hell, when I was coaching at Bowling Green and Indiana lost, you know, having played there, it ruined your day. So thanks to Ruben 
for coming on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got What the Hell Wednesday. We got What the Hell Wednesday. You're not going to believe this one. There is, this happens a lot. And it happens too much, and maybe it's always happened. But Jennifer, I want you to look at this. Jennifer is the czar of beer on our YouTube chat. And this is what is happening in our beers. Beer brands share price falls after a man was filmed urinating in the factory vat. So you got a big vat of beer, all right? And you're making the beers and you're cooking it up. And man, look at you. You got beers. And we got beers. We also got employees. Well, a video came out of a dude having a whiz in the vat of the beer. Now, look, I, I'm a, anybody that knows me knows I'm the mad peer. I got this thing where I pee everywhere. It's not great. I pee outside. Eventually, I am going to get arrested, I'm sure. The beer is called Tsingtao. It describes itself as the sixth largest global beer maker. Its shares tumbled when a man was peeing into a Tsingtao, I think that's how you say it, beer factory vat. Now you got to probe this. Now you got to look into this. I got to say, what the hell Wednesday? At present, the batch of molten question has been sealed. The company continues to strengthen its management policies to ensure product management. I don't know. The stock dropped 1% on Friday after it happened and then 7.5% by Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll pee anywhere. I'm a public peer. I have to pee or else it squirts. I've been giving you too much information here. I know I am. I really need a diaper, but I'm not getting a diaper because I feel like that's giving in. But God dang, there is never a reason to take a whiz in food, in salsa, anywhere. Nowhere. Um... Lady walks into an airport with a giraffe. Now that sounds like, I don't know, that sounds like a joke. But listen to this, Minneapolis, where all weird things are starting to happen. Minneapolis has a, they don't have a, they don't have the actual copyright on weird, but a lot of weird things. Custom agents, listen to this, ready for it? Poo-pooed the plans of an Iowa woman who wanted to make jewelry from giraffe feces she picked up on a trip to Kenya and brought back to the U.S. in her luggage. The woman declared the small box of crap when she was selected to have her belongings inspected after arriving in the Minneapolis airport. She told officials she planned to use the crapola to make a necklace as she had done in the past with moose poop. Would you wear a crap-based necklace? Now, there's weird necklaces. My wife has a little necklace with a little bit of her father's ashes in this little circular thing, and I'm all right with it. I'm down with it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, would you? Would you really wear a crap necklace? Hey, that's a cute necklace. What's it made of? Eh, 
It's made of giraffe crap. What? This is my favorite story of the week. You ready for this? You know I'm a bit of a sex deviant. You know I like the sex stories. You know I like my comedy crude. You know what I'm saying. Well, listen to this. The Italian prime minister splits from her boyfriend after, after he is caught asking women, hey, you want to have a threesome or maybe a foursome? Look, the Italian prime minister and Sean Joseph has the story on OutKick. He just getting a little freaky. She's 46 years old. Her name is Giorgiana Meloni. She's back on the market. 46-year-old leader of the Brothers of Italy political party made the announcement on social media saying that she and her longtime boyfriend, Andrea Giambruno, were going their separate ways. Apparently, Giambruno made comments to a female colleague earlier this week. All right? He can be heard in an off-air recording talking about his sack and threesomes with his colleague, Viviana Giglimi. One version of the events is that GM Bruno, the husband, the boyfriend, asked his colleague, can I, can I touch my balls while I talk to you? She said, you already are. He then makes a comment about threesomes. What about a threesome? Even a foursome. And he tells his female colleague to get ahead here. You got a F. Really? All right. There are reports that indicate his comment about a threesome or foursome is reference to needing to add others to the show, which would change it. However, the prime minister, who, by the way, is kind of hot, you know, she wasn't having it. She'd had enough. What can I tell you? Don't get, look, ladies, there is no reason at all to get in with scumbags. There are plenty of dudes that aren't dirtbags. I mean, it dwindled when I got married, although I'm not mad about being a dirtbag. I mean, there are times. What are you going to do? But I'm not that kind of dirtbag. I don't have the energy for threesomes or the energy for foursomes. Back to Minneapolis, ladies and gentlemen. According to the Star Tribune, the Minnesota paper, a police officer, well, you see it right there, suspended for sending a picture of his penis to someone he met on a dating app, then hooked up on them while on duty. Look, I got no problem if you're on a dating app. Now, I've never been on a dating app. I got lucky. I didn't have to. Many people are. Look, you and a woman or you and a dude, whatever you're into, depending on if you're Dwight Howard or not, but anyway... You're in a dating app person. You decide, hey, we like each other. Maybe she wants a picture of the old Mr. Johnson. I don't know. I don't care about that. But the problem is, I don't know. Should you really, really be hooking up on the job? I'm not mad at you for it. People hook up on the job all the time. According to Star Tribune, text messages submitted to the police department's internal affairs show it Exchange between a 28-year-old officer and an unidentified person on a dating app during one of his shifts. During the exchange, he sent a picture of his pee-pee. The cop then asked if the civilian would be interested in giving him oral sex to a cop in uniform. Fair question. The woman agrees. Sends the officer their location, requests a picture of his face. He sends a selfie in what appears to be his uniform from inside the squad car. He receives a suggestion, suggestive picture to which he responds, okay, give me a second. 
Let's see if I can leave this call. He sends another message 10 years later, 10 minutes later. He had made it to their apartment and was ready for action. He was given the instructions about how to go getting buzzed up. All right. So what? I don't know. He was placed on leave. Had a little sex. Had a little throwdown. I don't get it. What's wrong with that? I, I don't get it. I honestly, I don't get it. People in big buildings are having sex all the time. What's an officer doing? What's better for an officer? Eating donuts, drinking coffee in a coffee shop, or getting a little action? Same time frame. I don't know. I think Minnesota's overreacting. I think what you ought to do is you ought to give the guy a raise. I do. I mean, the guy's, you know, hardworking guy. Blowing off a little steam. See what I did there, Aaron? Not a great, but not terrible. All right, this one I think we talked about a few weeks ago, and this is just sick. All right, listen to this. There's a dude in Nebraska. The dude in Nebraska is a funeral worker. He was fired and arrested after returning to the apartment of a dead man to allegedly have sex with the man's life-size sex doll. The doll apparently caught the eye of 41-year-old Ryan Smith when he was in the apartment to pick up the dead guy. He was arrested and is facing charges of criminal trespassing, okay, burglary, yeah, I don't know, and tampering with physical evidence. Uh, according to police, Smith and a co-worker were sent to a unit at the Rock Creek Apartments in Omaha to collect the deceased body of a man who died of natural causes later that day. He contacted the property manager. The reason Smith was reaching out was to collect the life-size sex doll that was found at the scene for the sheriff's office so it could be swapped for a biopsy. Guy said, hey, I'm going. I'm stopping in. The horny funeral worker, he paid a visit. He found locked in the dead man's apartment. He was found locked in the dead man's apartment who was investigating noises coming from the unit. According to the manager, the deadbolt was locked, the chain was secured, uh, Smith's clothes were disheveled. As he left, he told the manager he would be returning with a warrant for the sex stop. That set off alarm bells. He was worried the funeral worker was going to break in and steal the sex stop. Jeez. Investigators were called to the scene, and they did all of the requisite fingerprints, semen swabs, that kind of thing, and the dude had stooped the sex doll. When we come back, I got some worst of firsts. Worst of first is always fun. You know, a couple years ago, the Rangers lost over 100 games. Now they're in the World Series. We'll talk about this. We will. We'll talk about this and a bunch of others when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, America loves a good worst to first story. 
We do. We love it. We love when guys, gals, teams overcome. And guess what? The Rangers have overcome. The 2021 Texas Rangers, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Well, I guess you don't go 2021 in baseball because it's only in the calendar year. They went 60 and 102. Now, I'm going to say that again. 2021. Now, it's only 23 in baseball parlance, but this crew went 60 and 102. Fast forward to Friday. They're going to be in the World Series. How about them apples? You like them apples? How about them apples? They're going to be in the World Freaking Series. Now, I want you to think about that. I mean, that's pretty damn good. And my man, Adolis, Adolis, whatever the hell his name is, uh, Garcia is behind all this. Remember, as Dibs and I talked about earlier, this dude, well, he got the boot. The Cardinals said, no mas, adios, goodbye, hasta la vista, la noche. Next thing you know, he's getting beamed by Abreu. Next thing you know, boom, there they are. They, ladies and gentlemen, are in the World Series, and the man, Garcia, is holding the NL, no, AL, excuse me, CS trophy. It's pretty good. From 60 and 102 to the World Series in two short years. How about this? In 2010, Auburn, the Auburn Tigers, received a godsend in Cam Newton. Cam Newton originally at Florida under Urban Meyer, he decided he was going to steal laptops, throw them out of windows. Next thing you know, he ended up in jail. I was actually there that weekend. Urban said, screw this guy. Next thing you know, well, guess what? They, him, went to junior college, Cam Newton did. They, him, and I say they because his dad was always involved. They end up going from Crepola to going undefeated in 2010 and winning a national championship. That's right. National championship is what they did. 2012, the Red Sox stunk. They had an abysmal year. They went 69 and 93. One year later, first year manager, former Marine John Farrell, they got their eighth title. That's right. The 2013 Boston Red Sox won the World Series after a year before winning 68 games. Now, they say in baseball, you're going to win 50 and you're going to lose 50, all right? It's the other 62 that determines. Pretty good. So of the other 62, they only won uh, 12. No, sorry, 19. That's what happens in baseball. So baseball is fascinating with this. It really is. All right. We all love the Tom Brady story, don't we? We all love the Bill Belichick. We all love Drew Bledsoe. Well, guess what? In 2000, the New England Patriots went 5-11 with Drew Bledsoe as the quarterback. Then a year later, oh, by the way, here comes Tom Brady, and the 2001 New England Patriots won the Super Bowl. Now, don't you think about that? That's pretty good. There they are. I don't know what year that is. I'm going to assume it's 2001 because Terry Bradshaw looks alive there on the left. And Kraft, I don't know, maybe that's his wife, bottom right, who passed away. But damn, that's pretty good. 
How about the 19, or excuse me, the 2006-2007 Celtics? They only won 24 games. But then they went out and said, wait a second. We're going to go get crazy-ass Kevin Garnett. We're going to go get the very mature, very smart, very good Ray Allen. And guess what? Paul Pierce was already there. They won their first ring since 1986. They won their first ring since Larry freaking Bird. The 2007-2008 Boston Celtics. Again, year before, not so good. 24 wins. Now remember, I'm no math major, but I think that's 24 and 58. I do. I think it is. Man, you got to watch the offseason. Many times the offseason tells you what the hell is going to happen during the real season. It does. I swear to God. It really does. All right, I would like for you to understand how little I care about Zion Williams. I'm going to say this before I talk about him. All right? Zion Williamson, to, Zion Williamson, to me, has been nothing but a big, fat disappointment in the NBA. I loved Zion Williamson's basketball smarts. Now, white guys, we had to say that because it was in a time when, you know, social justice warriors were turning everything you said into a race thing. But I did. I truly liked his basketball smarts. I thought he was a rare combination of crazy great athlete and basketball smarts. He's gotten into the NBA, and I was actually one of the announcers at the NBA Summer League a few years ago when Zion Williamson was there as a rookie. I saw him walking before a game, and I'm like, he's a fat ass. Sure enough, Zion Williamson played like one game. I don't know if he got hurt, or they're just like, look, dude, you're embarrassing. Sit out. But he didn't play. He really hasn't played since. And when he has played, it's been pretty good. Zion Williamson is in a good space. I think he's in a good space. He's learned a lot, not only from the previous summer, but his entire career he's had here. Oh, well, thank goodness. Who's saying this? You guys aren't telling me who's saying this. Oh, a teammate. Which teammate? He's learned how to be a professional. He's learned how to take care of his body. He's learned that he can have success when he does certain things, and now... It's about sustaining that over the course of the season. So I think he's in a really good space. Well, I got to tell you, if he in fact is in a really good space, that's a problem for other teams because he might be the best player in basketball, not named Giannis or not named Steph or not named John Donkic or Dokic, Luka Dokic. Let's just call him Luka Dokic from now on. All right. A dude can ball. Like, the dude can ball big, big time. You know, Gretchen Whitmer is the weird, if not corrupt, governor of Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer is all over Michigan State. She crushes the school's leadership. It's scandal after scandal. Really? What have I been telling you? This is a school that openly promotes hate. This is a school that had 12,000 people chanting, we hate Dockage, which, which I loved. It was a badge of honor. But after I thought about it and everybody was so upset, I said to myself, imagine if I was Lafonso Ellis 
or I was, I don't know, what's that woman's name? Doris Burke or Jay Williams, and they were chanting hate. The world would have been crazy, racist, sexist, blah, blah, but I'm a middle-aged white guy. So you can chant hate. I want you to listen to this. Hate. They chant. My buddy, Bart Fox, who was our producer, when I call him, it's on his ringtone. We hate Dockage. And I'm sitting there looking at all these ridiculous people. And I'm like, really? Hate? Okay. And then Izzo, who I like, had to get on. And, well, we don't, Dockage is this. And I'm like, I'm sitting there to myself. And then you guys are idiots. And then the text exchange between Izzo and I, where I MF'd him and whatever, was glorious. And that's what men do, and now we're cool. I don't know if you'll come on the show because I've been ripping Michigan State left and right, but good for Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer said this, the university has been rocked by scandal after scandal with no clear unified leadership. I mean, look, and tragically, no accountability either. Right now, there are too many questions, not enough answers, The university owes it to students, alum, and our entire state to get to the bottom of this and take the appropriate action. I have told you forever, the worst people I've encountered, not Izzo, everybody else, reside at Michigan State. It's a cesspool. It's not because all of a sudden they put Hitler, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, on their big screen in a stadium like Joe Lewis back in the day was racing to defeat Hitler in the most heroic thing ever. They put Hitler, Hitler, and his picture up above the crowd. This idiot school at a time when anti-Semitism has never been higher in the United States. It's never been more dangerous to be a Jewish person in the United States of America. And they chose to let some group, apparently, they're saying it's a third party, put Hitler up there. Yes, there needs to be accountability. The entire athletic department, other than Izzo, should be wiped out. This is a school that has had too many, too many sex assaults in the athletic department to count. Star point guard Keith Appling in jail for murder. The guy, their legend, Mateen Cleave, last seen on video, running outside chasing a naked, I think she was a hooker, in some skis bag hotel. Their professor running a meth lab and students wanting to know what the hell, and don't even get me started on Larry F. and Nasser and how the entire area whitewashed it, including the media, Students were too afraid to go to the media. Students were too afraid to go to the administration. Nasser was able to run on that campus for 30 freaking years. And then you got Mel Tugger, the Mad Jacker. The place is a shithole. The place is a cesspool. The place is crap. It's a pox on the state of Michigan. It's a pox on the Big Ten. It is the most god-awful place on earth academically, non-Ivy League division. There are so many sex assaults. They cover stuff up like it's their job. And for once, at least Gretchen Whitmer stood up and said, hey, 
What are we doing? That's unbelievable. It's un-effing believable. And Michigan State fans will back this. They will support this. You're a hater. Michigan State beat you when you were a coach at Indiana, so you hate Michigan State. No, I hate dirtbags. Complete and utter dirtbags. And I'm starting to get pissed at wide receivers, too. I've had enough. Our guy here, Michael Pittman, is crying about touches. Michael Pittman stinks. I mean, let's be honest. Michael Pittman is like the fat old guy trying to play basketball with some athletic dudes. He's slow. It's all right. But if he were on a real team with real weapons, Michael Pittman would not get on the field, or at best, he'd be the third or fourth wide receiver. But because he's on the sorry-ass Colts with their sorry-ass organization, he, his sorry-ass, gets to cry, bitch, and moan about touches. They just didn't target me today for whatever reason. Maybe I'm not a big part of the game plan. Shut up. Maybe you're not. I mean, damn. You're a mediocre, slow wide receiver. You got five touches. Your team, jackass, scored 38 points. Your team, dumbass, scored. They found the right guy. Josh Downs had his first career 100-yard receiving day jackass, but you're whining, bitching, and moaning. It's unbelievable that this guy, who since he has been with the Colts, has been a starter. They put him on the field. The team has sucked. They finally scored 38, and guess what? He's going to bitch about it. Giving me a headache. You're giving me a total headache. Uh, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart started out, remember Marcus Smart with the Celtics? And by the way, Brad Stevens hasn't texted me back. I, he's probably mad about something. Who knows? Everybody's mad about something. But anyway, Marcus Smart started out as a very effective player with the Celtics. And then he did what a lot of guys do. He did. He started to figure out, I got to be wacky guy. I got to be nutso guy. I got to be the guy that gets into altercations. I'm trying so hard, so freaking hard to be the next Dennis Rodman. So Marcus Smart gets the boot. You always want to be where you're wanted, and another team's trash is another team's gold. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be an organization that wants me, sees that I have great value, so I'm ecstatic, and I'm ready to get going. Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, look, your pain in the assery did not outweigh your production. And ultimately, Boston, Brad Stevens and others, looks up every day and sees those banners and says, we've got to win banners, championships, so let's figure out who is going to help us do that. Obviously, they figured Jalen Brown was. They paid him $60 million a year, which I still can't get over, for five years. They obviously figured Marcus Smart was more of a detriment than he was an assistance to winning said title. And who can blame him? Seriously. He'd been there long enough, and they haven't won. I like Marcus Smart. Puerto Rico, back whenever Marcus Smart was a freshman, I did one of their games. I think it was against North Carolina State. 
North Carolina State fans got mad because their team was picked to finish first in the ACC. I watched them for a half, and I said on the air, yeah, this team's going to finish no better than fifth. They lost their mind. I don't even think I don't even think North Carolina State finished fifth that year. But Marcus Smart was great. Then he came over to the table, and I interviewed him, and he was even greater. I remember saying on the air, I always look at coaches and players that I would follow if I were a freshman. I would have followed Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart now has become like one of those caricatures, like that Dylan whatever his name is. Dylan, uh, what, what's Dylan's name? He was with, with the... Uh, Oh, man, he, he, he got yelled at by Dylan Brooks. He got yelled at by Krzyzewski. Dylan Brooks. When you become a caricature of yourself in your game, eh, you get a little less shelf life. And the team trying to be serious about winning generally gets rid of you. Uh, the NHL has shown itself to be cowards. They've reversed itself. Think about this conversation. I just want you to think about this. If you're older than 30, I want you to think about this next story. The NHL reportedly reverses its course on their pride tape ban. A player the other day decided he was going to put pride tape, rainbow tape on his stick. Not that stick, you pervert. The, the, the hockey stick. Stop it. You guys are weird. Anyway, so the NHL said, yeah, you know what? We'll reverse course here. We'll let you do it. I'm sitting there going, why? Why? Why are you reversing course on this? Why would you give in? Hey, look, if you feel strongly enough, and why do I, ladies and gentlemen, give a rat's ass either way? I don't care what tape you put on your stick. The hockey stick. It's like I didn't care what headband Jim McMahon wore in 1985 at the Super Bowl. What did I care? But people make a big deal about these things. I'm just not that guy. I will tell you, if I were playing in Indiana and they came to us and said, hey, look, we're going to replace the candy stripes for this game with the rainbow stripes, I wouldn't be wearing them. Not that I'm protesting anything. Not that I give a rat's ass who's having sex with who. I've said forever. I don't care who's having sex with who. It doesn't bother me, dudes, having have sex with whoever you would like to have sex with. What do I care? It don't matter to me but I don't need to know about it. Look, I'll tell you if I'm having sex with Lee Ross because it's kind of a badge of honor. Like Doyle told all of his friends uh, that he was having sex with the uh, ESPN football reporter and he told all of his friends how she liked her hair pulled. That's the kind of pig that guy is. But hey, look, to each its own. The married reporter, while he was married and then stuck. But I digress. So the idea is simple. You want tape? Good. You don't want tape? Good. But if you're going to ban it, keep it banned. And by the way, I'm just going to say this and I'll get in trouble. I don't need it. I don't need ads on TV telling me social justice stuff. Get rid of all. I'd rather watch all of those ads that show me medicines. I'd rather watch the medicine and the fat girl dancing around talking about fat meds and then the 30-second disclaimer on <laughs> the 30-second disclaimer on all of the negative side effects. I'd rather have that 
than some idiot with Nike or some idiot social justice warrior telling me how bad white people are and how oppressed everybody is. I've had enough. I'm over, I've become like Jason Whitlock. Just show me the damn game. And if you need to get a fat girl out there talking about weight loss medicine or hypertension or diabetes, eh, put the fat girl out there and we'll see what happens. I'm just saying. <laughs> I like when I get fired up late in the show. I do. Me Fired Up is a good show. I don't understand how this show isn't the number one show on Fox. This show's unbelievable. Thank God. I got everybody bitching at me. Doc, it's you're a washed up old man. Yeah, well, what can I tell you? But I'm having the time of my life on this show. Before we go to woke dope anything going on here in the live chat? Dan hates those pants. Those pants. Oh, look, the candy stripe pants in Indiana got to go. Woodson, Cheney, and the rest look like complete idiots walking out there as adults in the warm-up. Seriously, imagine you're a kid and you're like, I got to wear those? Huh. All right. Okay. I guess. Yeah, Linda SD, I don't want to see any pop. I've had enough. I've had enough of social justice warriors. I've had enough of Nike and other companies telling me about how white man bad, African-American oppressed. Hey, by the way, did any of our legacy media, did any of them report at all, even a little bit, on the autopsy of George Floyd, where they literally said in the autopsy he died of fentanyl? I don't know. Dan, you are the punchline. Time to go. Hey, adios. Ads for drugs that I can't buy, only doctor prescribed. What DF? Get that off my TV. Well, I got to tell you, Tigers Mundo, that's how bad I don't want to see social justice ads. I would rather see drugs that the doctor has to prescribe with fat women dancing around. That fat girl dances around talking about her diabetes medicine. I got two words for you. Joe Biden style. Eat a damn salad. Woke a dope. Let's go. I don't always screw everything up, but when I do, I blame it on Trump. Hey, is that a rhyme? I don't always screw everything up, but when I do, I blame it on Trump. Look at Jersey Joe. Look at that smug, lying, sniffing little kid. Oh, man, if I say any more, I got to believe YouTube will stop us altogether. YouTube's already cut into us today. Uh, Dan, can we get on the bandwagon for Michigan death penalty if proven true on cheating? Damn, Sean, I think so. I mean, why not? I don't know. Woken Dope next! Peace through threat. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what. Hey, wherever you found that, can you give that to me, please? That's awesome. Peace through strength, Trump. Chaos through incompetent. Anybody doesn't think we don't have chaos right now is out of their mind. Uh, Dan, when people say they hate politics and sports, I'm assuming they don't agree with that particular sports figure opinion, but would be okay with one they agree with. Yeah, not me. Not me. I mean, you can think that and because you're really stupid. I mean, JPG rules and you show it every day, but thanks for being here. Yeah, not me. I've had enough of all of it. I'm sorry. I, I've had absolutely enough of all of it. All of it. Period. Next! 
Thank you all for, not you. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty funny. And I agree with Van Pasterman, the chaos is on purpose. I mean, has anybody talked about Hunter Biden? You know what? You know this stuff's on purpose. We, there's no question. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, wartime presidents, right? Wartime presidents become a thing. Wartime presidents get very, 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 very popular. They are. There's no chance. There is no chance that this guy could win if actual normal people and real people were actually voting. I know that pisses YouTube off. But the fact of the matter is, uh, FJB. FJB should be a chant we all cheer. FJB should be something we never let go because that guy has turned into the most corrupt president of our lifetime. And it's sad that we all have to pay the piper. And it's more sad that there are actually people, actual people that defend this guy. It's unbelievable. Dan, when you say any, are you okay with all the FJB in NASCAR? I am 1,000%. And if that sets me up, for a smart-ass little comment from JPG Rules, then good. But I am 1,000%. When you try to destroy our country, you should not be allowed to be president. Period. Period. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Nick, Nick number two, thank you, Dylan and Ryan and Katie. Thank you all so very much. Beth the Booker, you are awesome. Gary? Appreciate you. Aaron, you are the man, Aaron. Don't ever forget it. You the man, Aaron. We will see you all tomorrow. Have a great evening or afternoon. It's only morning. Have a great day. How about that? <laughs>